Northwest, guaranteed fresh. It's the Morning Blend with David and Brenda, a dynamic duo who share the joy of the Catholic faith through catechesis and conversation on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Mater Day Radio. And a very good Thursday morning to you, April 27th, 7 a.m. It is David and Brenda with you on The Morning Blend. Thank you so much for joining us. I thought you left me there for a second. So I am trying to be very calm. I don't want to move too much because as I'm looking over my computer screen, of course, I've got the best view in town for The Morning Show. There is a giant wasp. on the blinds in the studio right now. He's just kind of sitting up there minding his own business. Uh, I hope he enjoys (laughs) the remainder of what is his short life because he's not going to be lasting long. It's big guy in here. Yeah. Well, it was funny. You started the music and then just walked away. And I thought, that's it. She's done. She's done. That's it. You're on your own today. If it was a spider, (laughs) I'd have been out of here. You'd have been having to do the show on your own. Are you talking like a uh, uh, large wasp, like a type that can sting you? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's He's in there. So uh, I got a murder horner to murder hornet uh, is it well let me get my ruler out how big do they say those are those are about they're an inch three feet long oh, they're big yeah, yeah this one's not quite that big okay but uh yeah no that's because yeah. that's what i had to go over here and look like is that like because it's kind of wide and i thought well maybe that's like one of those flies because you know how you get to this time of year oh yeah um i don't know what it is but it seems like in our house like there were flies in the house maybe uh, late in the summer, and they went dormant because all on the same weekend, they start flying around the house, right. and I'm running around killing flies. They're dizzy. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I thought, well, maybe that is a fly that you know decided to wake up now. Right. But no, it's a wasp. All right. Well, so, good luck okay. to you. Thanks. <laughs> I'm staying in here. I have found the best way over the years when you uh, encounter a large wasp in your house and you're and you're like okay i gotta get that guy how am i gonna do it the best way to do it anymore we have found with flies as well if you want to do it the vacuum cleaner really yeah you get the wand out and you can stay far away and and you just just gets it suck that thing right up boom done um and does it survive the i hope not okay because then you got to empty out that well no it yeah it's i've never had an issue once it's been sucked up into the Okay, I'm going to remember yeah. that. I don't. Uh, I think our vacuum is downstairs, so I might have yeah. to go down there and get it uh, because I don't want to move the. I, if I go over there and roll up the blind, right? Because it's one of those roll kind. Sure. I'm just going to get this little guy squeezed in there. Yeah. I don't want to do that. And then you squish it all over oh, the blind. Oh no, no. And you got a big uh, spot on the blind. Scott practices catch and release. Yeah. So he would probably, if he were here, he'd get a cup. Yeah. And he'd get it, and then just you know, take Mm -hmm. it over. But wasps are, these guys are mean. Yeah, I was going to say, I can understand catch and release. We we do that with some, but eh, with a wasp, eh, it's it's a little risky. It's a little too risky for (laughs) me. That's pretty risky. I've been stung before, and I I don't want to I think he's winking at me, David. he's looking at you. He's looking at his chops. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I'm sorry for you. That's a tough way to start the show. I'm going to take a picture of this and send it to Patrick and see if I can get some hazard pay today. That's right. Yeah, I literally thought you just started the show and walked away. That's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. (laughs) So it's like, uh, I did bring up the forecast. I pulled it up when we were at the show because I didn't have the forecast up yet. And it's like, hmm, that's still looking pretty pretty doggone nice. So uh, it looks like today... 
Friday, Saturday, yeah, even kind of Sunday. Sunday, yeah, it does start kind of, to make yeah. that shift, though, a little bit. I stepped outside yesterday afternoon with my daughter because oh. uh, I wanted to look at something that was going on in my tree. It took me all of about uh, three and a half seconds after going outside to start digging into my potted plants. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was ready. So I already know when I get home today, mm-hmm. it's a backyard kind of an afternoon. Nice. Yeah. I can't wait. So we went out for a walk yesterday afternoon, my wife and myself, and it was the first day, the first day in months I had shorts on and a t-shirt. Oh my god! so awesome. Did, I, did you warn the neighbors to get out their sunglasses? <laughs> That's right. Look out. The glare. It's coming off of him. Uh, it just felt fantastic oh, yeah. to be out. Because it was like 75, 76. Oh, it was gorgeous. And it was just like, this feels so good. And we didn't know how long we were going to go. And we just kept going. Kept going. Because it was like, it. man, this is this is awesome. It's all so, that vitamin D your body's been craving. When it was all over, 12 miles up a mountain. <laughs> a little tired perfect. today. Yeah. You're a little tired. No, we did we probably did about two and a half. Okay. And it was it was perfect. Just gorgeous. So and that's what today's looking like too. So get I out there, wait. do I'm some yard work. It. Pull some weeds. All right. All well, right. me and my friend are yeah. gonna have a have a talk right here <laughs> as we go into a break. Yes, good luck with that. Uh what do you have coming up this morning? So David, what do we know about the men in the US who are becoming our future priests? All right. We've got some statistics on them. Okay. And big news up on the University of Portland campus. We'll tell you oh. about that. Yeah. Well, I want to hear about that mm-hmm. too. We got a great show ahead for for you, let's start this off right. Here is Dante Schmidt, brighter than the sun. We are the morning blend right here at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life.
joy to those in need And the world is hurt We're just longing to believe So let your light shine Dante Schmidt and Brighter Than the Sun, just like this morning. It's 710, Mater Day Radio. David and Brenda with you on the Morning Blend this Thursday morning. Thank you for joining us. I can confirm to you that is a large yellow jacket. It is. Yes, so. And you didn't, you just <laughs> left it up there for me. Good luck with that. Oh, thank this you. Morning. We've got a guest yeah. coming in. Somebody's yeah. got to take care yeah, of it. Yeah, we got to get the uh, vacuum cleaner out for sure. Well, it's a Easter Franciscan moment. We'll have that for you right after the forecast. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbuybark.com or 503-645-6665. Join Mater Day Radio and Brother Cyril, a Benedictine monk at Mount Angel Abbey, for the morning offering. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. I offer them for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart the salvation of souls, reparation for sin, and the reunion of all Christians. I offer them for the intentions of our bishops and of all apostles of prayer, and in particular, for those recommended by our Holy Father this month. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. For more prayer resources, and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit materdayradio.com. Thank you for making Mater Day Radio's recent Spring share a grand success. We appreciate your support helping us seek the truth during this broadcast celebration. It was an inspiring week filled with joy and prayerful generosity. We're both humbled and grateful for all of Mater Day Radio's benefactors, volunteers, guests, and donors, including Ernesto's Italian Restaurant, the Ladies of Christ the King Parish, Trader Joe's and Garden Home, Jade Bistro and Patisserie, Catering by Suzanne, Chick-fil-A and Raleigh Hills and the talented prayer shawl ministries at St. Cecilia in Beaverton and St. Thomas Aquinas in Camus. 
If you missed out on Mater Dei Radio's 2023 Spring share you can still unite with us and seek the truth. Won't you prayerfully consider making an online gift now at MaterDayRadio.com or on the Hail Mary Media app? And thanks to everyone who plays an important part in our mission of leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary at Mater Dei Radio. 713 at Mater Dei Radio. Beautiful day today. Mostly sunny skies. High of 80 degrees. 80 degrees. Yes, wow. I did say that. Mostly clear overnight. Low of 54. Then sunny. Maybe breezy on Friday, but up to 86 Holy for moly. Friday. So uh, be prepared for that. That would be a record, by the way. Currently, it is 53 degrees, so we are well on our way at Holy Redeemer Catholic Church in Vancouver. And 52 degrees at Ascension Church in Portland. This is Dina Marie from Our Lady of Peace Retreat with a Franciscan moment. During the 50-day feast of Easter, we're invited to celebrate the incredible outpouring of God's divine mercy and his abundant gift of eternal life. The daily devotion to pray the chaplet of divine mercy is one powerful way we can cry out for God's mercy upon us and the whole world. But how have Christians over the centuries approached this awesome message of God's mercy? And what can we learn from the saints regarding God's greatest attribute? Well, with me today to discuss our beloved St. Francis and his message of divine mercy is Franciscan friar, Father Dan Petit. Good morning, Father Dan. It's always great to have you joining us. Well, good morning, Dana Marie, and uh, a blessed Easter to you. Absolutely. He is risen. Alleluia. It's we spent a lot of time in Lent and now we get the 50 day feast to really recognize God's great mercy. Now, we're going to talk about St. Francis and this message of divine mercy. But I want to just ask you, because the last time we talked, you were going to be going to Alaska on a parish mission, actually during the Lenten season. But I want to hear a little bit about Going from Texas to Alaska, it's a little bit of a diverse environment. And then the people right. coming on on mission, these seasons of the church are these invitations. I think of God's mercy. Come to the church, come to a mission, come to encounter oh. Jesus. Just give us a little little follow up on that parish mission in Alaska. Well, it was uh, it was a delightful trip. Um, first time to Alaska. I, I went from Texas. Now the state itself is three times the size of Texas, so it's massive. And I flew into Anchorage. And when I got there, this is the end of March now. You know, about a month ago or so, and it was still just blanketed in snow. They still had to plow because we got more snow. The mountains, I flew into Anchorage, and of course, anyone that's been there knows you have these beautiful mountains all around the city of Anchorage. Uh, Of course, seasonally, one of the differences, I mean, for example, today, as I sit here, I mean, we're looking at 92 degrees in Texas. Well, so I left when I did leave, even at the end of March, I think it was about it was close to 70 and I had my winter coat in tow, so that when I got off the plane at the other end, it was 20 degrees, I could put it on, you know? So there there was some of that uh, geographical uh, sort of uh, weather sort of difference, but the people up there were just so very inspiring. They, They have a different kind of a lifestyle, certainly. I mean, for me, growing up in Minnesota, we always fought around say, February, March, what we called cabin fever, 
Well, for them, the whole winter season is almost like fighting cabin fever because they only have five hours of light in December. And that that can be tough if if you're living um, without the sun. And even the five hours could be overcast and dull and and the like. So it it, it challenges uh, just humanly your your, uh, psychology. But spirituality up there i found uh, a very deep faith among the people at uh, the parish i was at in eagle river which is about 10 miles outside of anchorage and it was a delightful mission up there yeah and just you know i typically what happens at missions that i've been at is you've got your preaching on a daily basis Typically, the daily mass is available and then confessions. And I know for some people coming to a mission, it may have been a while or a long while since they've been to confession. Give me a sense, just as people are coming into the church for this experience, you know, what are they hungering for? What are they missing? What do they need in their spiritual life? You know, what I found, and I found this consistently even uh, here in Texas, well, probably throughout my ministry and even in myself, um, the thing that people are hungering for is to know the mercy of Christ, but we don't seem to be able to get past the justice that the commandments meet out to us, because it's almost like there's a lot of people, I think, in the Catholic Church that are living as though they're still Old Testament man or woman before Christ came. Uh, Because they're, I mean, the Ten Commandments are important. I don't mean to say that. And of course, Jesus did say he didn't come to abolish the commandments. But all the commandments do, if that's all you have, is accuse you of falling short. Mm. And if you don't have Christ, there's no way around that because all you're left with is the justice of what's due to you, which is not very pleasant. So the mission was all attempt to, what I was attempting to do is get people on board with faith in what Christ has accomplished for us by dying upon the cross, which is the forgiveness of sins. We don't deserve it. There, It isn't something, I mean, especially as uh, men and women in the United States, we feel as though we've got to earn it. You can't earn this. It's over already. You've already failed in following the Ten Commandments. Now the only way to get in is his mercy. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what I was trying to help people understand is he loves you. That's why he died on the cross and he wants to help you get into his kingdom. He's not like playing cat and mouse with you. He really does want you to be close to him, you know. And so... As a result of that, we had the mission was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in the evening, and I spoke for about an hour. And then we there was three or four of us priests that heard confessions all three nights for an hour and a half to two hours, and they mm-hmm. were very substantial. You know, people were just responding to this mercy of Christ to come to confession, and it was delightful and really uh, a testimony to the to the Holy Spirit at work in their hearts that they did come. How beautiful. I'm talking with Father Dan Petit, Franciscan friar in this beautiful season of Easter, the season of God's mercy. But, you know, as you mentioned that, Father Dan, I think about really mercy. If we're giving mercy, it's for somebody who doesn't deserve it. Right. Because otherwise it's possibly justice. But if we think about, am I going to give mercy to the enemy who has offended me? That's hard to do. So there's something we 
about mercy, it's it's big. It is big. It's it's very big. It's as big as the heart of God Himself, uh, which is massive. It's an ocean of mercy. You know, like Saint Faustina really received that from Christ, and herself went through this journey of faith to embrace the magnitude of this mercy. I mean, starting out in the beginning of the diary, you do get a sense like she's still pretty fearful and she's steady, steadily gaining greater confidence in this massive ocean of mercy into which our sins just are, are obliterated. Uh, as far as the East is from the West, so far as he cast away our sins. So, yeah, I mean, it really is, uh, like you say, this vast mercy is as grand and as great and as massive as the heart of God himself. Right, uh, right. You know, and you mentioned St. Faustina, and obviously in these recent times, St. Faustina, the diary, Pope St. John Paul II, you know, we associate, at least I do, in learning about divine mercy in the last 20 years, I associate the message of, of Faustina, St. John Paul II, uh, of kind of giving us this message. But the message has always been around, uh, even the time of the apostles. But take us 800 years earlier to St. Francis and his life and, and walking on the road with the friars. How did he approach God's mercy? Well, he was... He was very conscious, as we do need to be, of um, the justice of God that was due to him, because Francis himself lived a rather uh, wild youth, you might say. Um, and he did, he did the first 20 years of his life, spend most of it in just, uh, he, was, he was a prodigal son, basically, and uh, did undergo massive conversion. In 1206, you know, he's born 1182, so by this time he's about in his early 20s and he has this conversion. Well, as a result of that conversion, he was the one most conscious of how unworthy he was of all these blessings he received. In fact, one time he was going down the road and he saw a poor man just sitting in the, in the ditch, and he was just laid out, you know, from just his poverty and his his life. And Francis said, this man would be twice the man I am if he received the graces I received. And it's, it's that awareness that he had that really did lead him to begin to trust in that grace and mercy and that forgiveness and eventually became the saint. See, this is what does it. You His faith in the love of God, and you start to get that momentum to the point where you realize, I don't deserve any of this, and yet he's so freely giving it. And when you embrace that, you become a saint. And that's what he did. You know, he began to change his life. He converted, he abandoned his life of sin, and began to walk in the gift of the Holy Spirit at work in him that eventually you might say, weaned him off of the life of sin and put him onto the life of grace. Mm. And that is God's abundant mercy given out for us. Beautiful season in this time of Easter to continue to pray and to pray for those 
hardened hearts. And I love the chaplet of divine mercy. We pray it every day on this radio station. And and I pray many people do pray it on a daily basis. I want to talk more about this divine mercy. How do we approach it in our own lives when we see the world around us that is full of sin? How do we wrestle with that and invite God to really bless us? Um, But we are coming up to a break, Father. So I want to take a quick break and then we'll continue our conversation in the next half hour. Okay, thank you. And it is 724 here at Matra Day Radio. Well, that second half of Dina Marie's interview coming up in our next half hour. But if you need to listen to the whole thing, maybe you're heading into your office. Be sure to check out the full interview as a podcast. It will be posted on our website later this morning. You can find all of our locally produced shows made into podcasts at matradayradio.com. And of course, the Hail Mary media app. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Ernesto's Italian Restaurant, a place to celebrate life's moments. Ernesto's offers full-service dining, banquet facilities for groups of 15 to 180, catering, takeout, and large order delivery, featuring traditional Italian dishes with Chef Marco's inspired modern entrees and weekly specials. Ernesto's Italian Restaurant, 8544 Southwest Apple Way, on Beaverton Hillsdale Highway, next to Jesuit High School. As we surpass three decades of broadcasting, all of us at Mater Dei Radio are thankful for the many blessings this special radio ministry provides to our Catholic community. To ensure that our faith continues to thrive in today's media, we hope you will consider including Mater Dei Radio in your estate planning. There are many estate planning options to choose from, but one way would be to include Mater Dei Radio as a beneficiary in your will. More information on estate planning is on our website at materdayradio.com. Want an eye-opener in the morning without the caffeine? It's the Morning Blend with David and Brenda on Mater Day Radio. 727 on Mater Day Radio and a big announcement on the bluff. We'll have that for you in the news. And what do we know about the men in the U.S. who are going to be our future priests? Well, I'll tell you a little bit about them coming up in three minutes. Here is Father Rob Galea and No Greater Love. And we are the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio.
That is Father Rob Galea and No Greater Love. 7.30 at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. And in your news this hour, more than 450 men are set to be ordained priests this year. And the survey of their ordination class shows that the overwhelming majority of priests-to-be were raised Catholic in intact families and individually showed habits of frequent church service and regular prayer life. (laughs) Bishop Earl Boyea of Lansing, Michigan, chairs the U.S. Bishop's Committee on Clergy, Consecrated Life, and Vocations. Now, on Tuesday, the committee released the ordination class of 2023 study from the Georgetown University Center Applied Research in the Apostolate. The seminarians to be ordained, nor known as ordinance, are overwhelmingly cradle Catholics. In fact, about 93% of the class were baptized Catholic as infants. Another 96% were raised by their biological parents, and about 92% were raised by a married couple living together. And for 84% of the ordinance, both parents were Catholic. And one in three respondents had a relative who was a priest or a religious. Now, Bishop Boya especially noted the importance of the family life of the prospective priest. More than 63% of the survey respondents said their parish priest had been an encouraging influence on their vocation, followed by a fellow parishioner, a friend, their mother, father, or teacher, even a catechist. In fact, church ministry was another common habit. Would you believe that of all of the surveyed class, 72% of them were altar servers? No kidding. Yeah. yeah. I thought that's really, really great to hear. It is. Yeah, it's wonderful. Well, there's always a lot of excitement on the bluff with the University of Portland Athletics, but now there is going to be another reason to cheer Portland Trailblazers announced yesterday that they will be launching a G League team next season that will play at the Child Center on the UOP campus. Now, with the news, Pilots Vice President for Athletics Scott Lakeham says, we are excited to continue to grow our partnership with the Portland Trailblazers and welcome the NBA G League to campus. With the excitement around UP men's and women's basketball, hosting the high school state championships, and now the addition of the G League team, Child Center and UP Athletics will now host over 200 events annually and serve as the community hub for fans of basketball at all levels. So the G League season runs about 50 games and it spans the NBA's 82 game calendar. So you'll see, so like if you're comparing it to baseball, it would be like the triple A. Okay, got it. So now see that I can understand. Yeah. So are they, will they have their own name? They will. The Portland, so we get to decide or kind of help them, maybe encourage them in a certain direction. We'll pick a name. And then when does the season, the G League season run? It actually, yeah, it actually runs along with the NBA season. Uh, Only they obviously play different locales but like you'll see players maybe move up from the g league to one of the nba teams say the nba team has an injury and they need okay. to fill a, a roster spot they'll oftentimes pull from a g league wow and bring them up so yeah oh that'll be a lot of fun yeah. to follow these young players as they yep. kind of make their way up good times well triple a said that over the last month gas prices in oregon risen by 26. Now, the week of April 17th to the 21st saw the average gallon of gas rise above $4 for the first time since December. 
The AAA released a report on April 25th that showed that average price for a gallon of gas remained above $4, reaching $4.09. That's a $0.04 increase from the previous week. Now, Marie Dodge, AAA Director of Government and Public Affairs, said that the continual rise in prices should continue for a few more weeks before leveling out. Now, in early April, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, we know it as OPEC, said that it would cut oil production by just over one million barrels a day for the rest of the year. Now, that news sent the price of crude oil above $80 a barrel for a week, but the week of April 24th saw crude oil drop prices drop again below $80. Then on May 1st, it is the federal deadline for states to switch over to a summer fuel blend, a costlier yet more environmentally friendly blend of fuel. California's deadline was April 1st, which likely contributed to higher gas prices on the West Coast compared to other states that have a later deadline. Well, there is new life for the iconic Oregon Brewers Festival. Yeah, it kind of run out of steam after 34 years of holding the popular late summer event at Waterfront Park, downtown Portland. So with no plans for this summer, the event announced yesterday that it is partnering with an even more iconic event, the Portland Rose Festival. That's right. The Brewers will be located at the Rose Festival's City Fair on Friday, June 2nd to Sunday, June 4th. So kind of a similar three-day run that'll be on the waterfront, of course. The Oregon Brew Festival founder, Art Lawrence, said he is already working on selecting the beers that will be featured Mm -hmm. and that he can't wait for this June. He said it's going to be a great event. I hope that all of our OBF friends will stop by and have a beer with me. I'll do that, Art. Yeah, Sign you up. City Fair admission will allow visitors to access the Oregon Brewers Festival activities. Theme for the 2023 festival, which begins May 26th. Oh, that's soon. It's coming right up. Focus on fun. Focus on fun. Oh, that—that that has been the motto of your life, That's David. That's right, exactly. Well, the city of Vancouver is preparing for an exciting summer set season with repairs to the pavilion stage and installation of a new gazebo, Esther Short Park. Now, along with those upgrades, Vancouver Mayor Anne McElernie Ogle will cut the ribbon on the new Esther Short Park playground. It's grand opening at 11 a.m. Saturday in downtown Vancouver. And the playground has all new equipment and play areas to replace the previous playground, which was destroyed by a fire in 2022. Now, Esther Short Park hosts thousands of visitors each year for the Vancouver Farmers Market, Arts and Cultural Festival, charity fundraising events, and gatherings of friends and family. Now, work on the pavilion and gazebo is expected to be completed in May. All right. I'm ready to head down there. The Vancouver might be a good day. Yeah, that'll be fun. Vancouver Wine and Jazz Festival, our good friend Michael Kissinger. Yeah, Yeah. that'll have a nice new pavilion to Mm -hmm. have that event. That'll be nice. In sports, the Portland Timbers picked up a win last night in the U.S. Open Cup play. Timbers downed Orange County SC 3-1 at Providence Park. Timbers returned to regular season play with a road contest at St. Louis City SC on Saturday. Well, it has become quite a spectacle over the years, and this evening the National Football League draft begins its three-day run. It's being held in Kansas City this year, so the draft gets started at 5 p.m. With the first pick going to, do you know? Uh, Let me think. Um... No. The Carolina Panthers. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that would have not been in yep. at all, my guesses. Uh, Houston Texans, second pick. Third, Arizona Cardinals. Fourth, the Indianapolis Col- Colts. And the fifth, 
Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks. So it's been a while since the Seahawks have had this high of a pick, going all the way back to 2010. Uh, the Seahawks have the fifth pick as part of a trade that sent quarterback Russell Wilson oh. to the Denver Broncos. That's how they moved up. So many wondering if Seattle will draft a quarterback or be content to stick with Geno Smith, who replaced Russell Wilson. And Smith had a pretty good season, too. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's kind of looking to see, okay, Seattle going to go with a quarterback? There's a, several of them that may be available at the fifth pick. Okay. Or uh, some are speculating they may go defensively as Interesting. well. So we'll see. Uh, it, it'd be fun to see them get a quarterback, one that Geno maybe could bring along. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then they probably trade Geno and, and kind of bring up their new quarterback. It'll be interesting yeah, to see. Kind of a thought. So anyway, so they'll, as the fifth pick, it'll probably happen somewhere between five and six tonight. So I'll be watch. watching. Yeah. Well, young Teresa was born on September 11th, 1845 in Prozus and was baptized on the same day. Now, hers was a very poor family. They lived on a steep and rocky land where the harvest was scarce in landscape, only meadows and pasture. Now, on September 8th, 1855, it was the Feast of the Nativity of the Virgin Mary. And during that time, it was a holy day of obligation and three short days of Teresa's 10th birthday. But an extraordinary event took place that would forever mark the entire city of Porzis. Now, Katerina, the girl's mother, had completely forgotten about the Holy Day of Obligation, which that year fell on a Saturday. So the complication was the next day was Sunday and both days on which the church, by teaching, should abstain from labor. But they had not collected enough hay to feed their families. And obviously they couldn't leave the poor animals without food. So Katerina called on Teresa to go out and cut some hay in the meadow. The girl reminded her mother she had learned in catechism that we're not supposed to do labor on these holy days. But her mother said, but if we eat, the animals must eat too. So full of doubts, the girl obeyed her mother and went to the meadow asking for guidance from the Virgin Mary, whom she loved so much. Well, as soon as she raised the sickle to cut the hay, she felt someone take, out, take it out of her hand. She looked up and saw a beautiful lady who with a sweet voice said to her, you shouldn't work on this day. Here, this will do. Cutting some hay, she handed it to the girl. She then added to everyone, well, that you should sanctify the name of the Lord and not to blaspheme. It was the Blessed Virgin Mary. And in fact, the Blessed Virgin Mary left a marker on the back of the girl's hand to prove to the parishioners oh. of the town that it was in fact her that uh, marker, that cross on the back of her hand, remained there her entire life. Wow. So it is known as now the day that the Blessed Virgin Mary reaped hay for a little girl. Hmm. It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. Oh, well, if you're going to be out this weekend, well, there's no better place than to be out at the Grotto. You can attend the Spring Alleluia concert there beginning at 2 o'clock. The performance is by Valor Christian School at 3 o'clock. And the Good News concert by Denise Tomasovic and Elsa Morelli. You can find more information by going to our community calendar, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary media app. And Dina Marie continues her interview with Father Dan right after the forecast. 
Support for Matraday Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbybark.com or 503-645-6665. Please join me, Father Gabriel Mosier, in this prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our safeguard against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who wander through the world for the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more prayer resources, or to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit us online at materdayradio.com or check the prayer section of the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for praying with Mater Dei Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. I am Father Cedric Bizania. I'm a passionist, religious, and a Catholic priest, and the host of Live With Passion. My motto is touching lives and saving souls. I hope you will tune in each week on Modern Day Radio, Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. It's designed to inspire and encourage you. It's real practical. Talk about real-life issues, things that people are going through. I'm so grateful that you're listening to Modern Day Radio. Don't just live, live with passion. 744 at Mater Day Radio. Beautiful day today. Mostly sunny, high of 80 degrees. Clear overnight tonight, low of 54. Sunny, maybe a little breezy tomorrow, but warm. High of 86, 81 for Saturday. Wow, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Currently, it is 52 degrees at the Grotto right here in Portland. And 52 degrees at O'Hara Catholic School in Eugene. This is Dina Marie, and I'm back with my conversation with Father Dan Petit, Franciscan friar, and we are celebrating this time of Easter, reflecting upon the message of divine mercy and St. Francis and his own real embrace of God's mercy, maybe his wrestling of God's mercy and how he taught his friars early on. And Father Dan, you know, I heard during the Lenten season that divine mercy and the stations of the cross go hand in hand. And I I guess I didn't think about that, but I think about how much we've talked about St. Francis, his own stigmata, his embracing the cross. Maybe reflect a little bit about this cross, the stations of the cross, and God's divine mercy. Well, yeah, that's that's where the mercy of God was not not he didn't talk about mercy, he demonstrated it. And that's what the cross is. It's his it's uh, he didn't need to himself, of course, uh, go through all of that to save himself because he was sinless. He only did it for us. That's why he went to Jerusalem is to save us. And of course, the proof of that is the time, like say Peter, Peter, when 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 someone we love has something done against them or we suffer injustice, we tend to get violent. And that's what Peter did. He pulled out his sword and he cut off Malchus's ear and 
And, and Jesus in Matthew's gospel said, don't you realize I could call 12 legions of angels down right at this moment and just wipe them out? But he said, but the scriptures wouldn't be fulfilled. What are the scriptures? What? Why is he going to the cross like this? It's the Father's will. And the Father's will for him was that he ends up in the belly of death like Jonah ended up in the belly of a whale. John Chrysostom says it so beautifully in his Easter homily. He says, death on the cross swallowed a man and found God. Now, that's a serious case of indigestion. Mm -hmm. And he completely destroyed death from the inside, which was keeping us away from God because God is a God of life. He never created us to die, but because of our sins, we die. And so that's what the cross is. When you look at the stations of the cross, and this is why Francis loved the cross so much, is because of the mercy that it was demonstrating, the love of God that it was demonstrating by that sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, Father Dan, we when we reflect on the stations of the cross, certainly it's a Lenten practice, but really it should be a daily. If not on Fridays, it's it's suggested on every Friday to to meditate and to do the state, whether you go to a church or at your home with the little booklet or on an app where you can pray. But we think about the sufferings and yet how do we transition into the mercy and to try to even comprehend how much God does love me because I am a sinful person and I see and witness sin and participate in sin every day. But does he really love me that much? That, yeah. It's hard to, for us to grasp. Well, well, that's where the faith, that's where faith becomes so necessary to salvation. Uh, it takes faith to, to enter into what you're saying. Uh, it, it is hard. Like you can't wrap your mind around that when, you live in a world like we do, where most people are constantly living in accord with a kind of a justice that favors themselves for the most part. What is due to me is more important than what's due to you. As long as I'm getting my share, I'm okay. But if, if that's the measure of how we then go to God, there's no way we can understand mercy because he's not thinking of himself at all, but he's, he's, he's trying to help us come to life and um you know jesus jesus was so kind he was so he wasn't strident he wasn't uh, he wasn't wagging his finger at us and he wasn't uh coming among us to accuse us he says i haven't come to accuse you i i haven't come to criticize you the critic is satan satan's the critic i've come to save you from him from and from the credit, you know, the way you're treating each other, I want to try to forge a new way through that, maybe get as many on board as possible and start to change the way you're treating each other, which can sometimes, uh, if you look at the 20th century, there's piles of corpses of some of the bullies we had in the 20th century, and they were all atheists. They didn't even know Christ. Uh, and no bully ever learned to be a bully from Christ. Uh, that that's just not him because he's not a bully. And that kind of testifies, I think, to the need we have in our times for Christ all the more is uh, in a fallen world like we live in. If 
sin goes unchecked, it just grows bigger and bigger and bigger in terms of how we treat one another. Right, right. If we looked at St. Francis and his life, Father Dan, maybe give us some examples or what do we know about how he would teach about divine mercy? What are his thoughts about divine mercy? Well, you know, uh, if you if you look at the mercy he received and then remember the prayer attributed to Francis, Lord, make me an instrument of peace where there is hatred. Let me so love. Wow, look at that. I mean, the best we had to offer Jesus in his most dire time of need upon the cross was vinegar. That's all we had to offer him. And it's like, that's how does that change? Well, by way of Christ's healing of our human nature from our sin, so that we can actually turn hatred to love. And that's what Francis did. I mean, that's what he did, because he himself at one time, living the life of sin and rejecting the love of God in his life, came around to the point where he fell so in love that there was no looking back. And his conversion was so total. And, and that's, that's, what, that's what Jesus came to try to do in fulfilling the law. Justice operates out of the order of what is due to me and my neighbor. And, what it, and it gets into the question of fairness. Well, a lot of times life isn't fair. We suffer injustice. What do we do at that point? Well, a lot of people put up their fists and become bullies. Mm -hmm. And they start, you know, or like Peter, they pull out their sword and they start wielding it. And um, that's our temptation, our fallen nature. But Francis himself was a knight at one time. and He was on the battlefield and uh, went out there as a knight to fight. But he converted from that violence to become a man of peace, where there is hatred that we show so love, where there is injury, pardon, where there is doubt faith, where there's despair, hope. You see, the only way he could do that is first to receive it from God so that his own despair became hope. Francis's own doubt became faith. Francis's own uh, fear of God became a love of God. Once he experienced that, you know, Jesus said, now go and love one another as I have loved you. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of us leave the love of God for us, given us in Christ, like a wrapped gift under the Christmas tree. We never quite open it. So we need to open that gift and, and receive the benefit of, of, its, of its beauty, its transformation in our lives. Absolutely. I just want to thank you, Father Dan, for spending some time during this Easter season to help us reflect on the awesome, abundant graces and divine mercy that God has for us. And we continue to pray for that each and every day. Would you help us close with a prayer and your blessing today? Sure. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending us your son, Jesus, and opening your heart to us upon the cross. We pray that we may ever rend our hearts to you and open them instead of rending our garments, which are external and superficial. Help us truly open to your love in our lives, that we may be healed and restored, forgiven, 
and come into a full and living relationship with you through your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. And may the blessed mighty God descend upon you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Dan. Have a blessed Easter season. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you, Dina Marie. And it is 7.55 here at Mater Day Radio. Well, a big thank you to Dina Marie for that interview and also her dedicated time to Mater Day Radio. She spent with us on the Spring share on as we seek the truth. It was a wonderful week last week, and we just want to thank all of our volunteers and guests who made that week so successful, and most importantly to you, our supporters who supported us through the week. If you did miss Spring share and you would like to support Mater Day Radio, well, you still have an opportunity if you go to our webpage, materdayradio.com. You can contribute through the Spring share link. It's also real easy to do if you download the free Hail Mary Media app. It also gives you an opportunity to support Mater Day Radio there as well. And again, thank you so very much. And while you're on that app, be sure to click the link and you can share some of that inspiring message that we received from many of our guests, the free Hail Mary Media app. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Bringing souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is Modern Day Radio, KBVM, Portland, Salem, Vancouver. KMME Cottage Grove, Eugene, Springfield, Translator K235BF, Eugene, and streaming at moderndayradio.com. A great way to support Mater Day Radio is through our Leadership Circle. These are businesses and organizations whose names you hear on the air every day. They believe in our mission of providing the region with positive Catholic radio programs of faith and hope. Simply put, our Leadership Circle members keep our broadcast strong through their financial generosity. If you run a business or organization, please join us. We need you. Information on our Leadership Circle at materdayradio.com. The Morning Blend. Check out our podcast at materdayradio.com. 7.57 at Mater Day Radio and a new environmental pilot program for downtown Portland. We'll tell you about it in the news. And Titan, a K-90 unit, helps Oregon police put a big dent in their drug enforcement. I'll have that story for you, plus more coming up right after Awaken the Saint. Hey everyone, I'm Colleen with Awaken Catholic and this is Awaken the Saint. It's one of the traits of humanity that we always want things bigger and better. And we seem to like that about ourselves. In stories, we often admire characters who answer a call to action and rise out of humble origins to become great heroes. But not everyone is meant to live in the spotlight. Some people are called to live humble, seemingly insignificant lives. Saint Zita was someone like that. Zita was born in a village in Tuscany around the year 1212. Her family was quite poor and she had to do what she could to 
support them, even when she was young. At just 12 years old, she became a servant for the Fatinellis, a rich merchant family. The mother of the family allowed her one year of education, then appointed an older maid to oversee her as she started her work in earnest. The older maid was bitter about how much people liked Zita and slandered her continually. Zita never defended herself, and the servants allowed themselves to be convinced by the rumors. Many of them treated her with scorn and derision and chose to believe that her outward appearance of goodness was a facade. However, Zita was not perturbed by her failing reputation. Her mother had instilled in her a continual desire to serve God in everything she did, and this manifested in a strong work ethic and great generosity. She woke up very early each morning in order to attend daily mass without affecting her work, and most of the money she made went to her parents or to the poor. What free time she didn't spend in prayer, she spent in study so that she would not be a hindrance to her co-workers. Observing her unceasing effort and humility, the members of the household eventually came to respect her. In recognition of her virtue and her familiarity with the poor, she was allowed to manage the family's almsgiving. She was incredibly generous in her charity, but also very canny and only gave alms to those who were truly in need. The servants and the family only continued to grow in admiration for her, and she was eventually put in charge of much of the household. Freed from some of her more menial tasks, she found the time to visit the sick, the poor, and those in prison. Zita was particularly attentive to prisoners who were sentenced to death, and she prayed for their souls for hours each day. After 48 years of service to the Fatinelli family, she died peacefully in prayer in the year 1272. Those in her community already regarded her as a saint, but she would not be canonized until 1696. It's a difficult thing to be satisfied with a simple life. We always want to have more, to know more, to acquire power and understanding. These are two hungers it seems we can never sate, which showcase in our faith a kind of irony that Jesus invites us to separate ourselves from worldly ambition and to embrace an infinite mystery that we can never fully understand. In the end, we can't obtain satisfaction by continually fulfilling our desires, but by accepting the fact that we will never be fully satisfied on earth. Zita was a beautiful example of this acceptance. She remained a servant both to the Fantinelli family and to God for her entire adult life. She may have wanted more, but she contented herself with what she had and inspired everyone around her by her example. Saint Zita, pray for us. And that is Awaken the Saint. For more information about the saints or to pray with Mater Dei Radio, please download our free Hail Mary Media app. Details at materdayradio.com. It's 8 o'clock. And in your news, in his message for the World Day of Prayer for Vocations, Pope Francis said God's call to a particular vocation also includes the mission to offer one's life for others. God's call, the Pope said, includes a sending. There is no vocation without mission. And there is no happiness and full self-realization unless we offer others the new life that we have found. Now, the 60th World Day of Prayer for Vocations will take place on April 30th, the fourth Sunday of Easter, also known as Good Shepherd Sunday. Now, St. Paul VI started the annual event in 1964. In his message, he emphasized that the church's vocations, lay, priesthood, religious, or consecrated life, work together in a harmonious symphony. Pope Francis said the vocations are joined together in going forth to radiate throughout the world the new life of the kingdom of God. 
Now, Pope Francis concluded his message with a prayer written by St. Paul VI for the first World Day of Vocations on April 11th, 1964. Well, the city of Portland going to try a new program to help the environment. New pilot program will restrict access at three downtown loading zones to only vehicles with zero emissions. At a press conference yesterday, City Commissioner Mingus Maps said that the Portland Bureau of Transportation has been awarded a $2 million SMART grant to help create a safer, cleaner, and more equitable system for delivering goods and services in downtown Portland. Now, the pilot program will also see special sensors installed at the loading zones to monitor what kinds of vehicles are using them and how frequently. The new rules are expected to go into effect next year with those who violate the rules subject to a parking citation. Officials say they hope the program will lead to cleaner, greener vehicles to have less pollution, less carbon emissions, and safer streets. Well, Oregon State Police made two big drug busts in Oregon in the past week. They came after routine traffic stops by state troopers. It put a dent in the fentanyl that otherwise would have been heading to the streets of the Pacific Northwest. Now, the traffic stops near LeGrand in eastern Oregon and near Salem both involved the discovery of fentanyl and other hard drugs that could have done an enormous amount of human damage. Now, starting in LeGrand last Friday morning, an OSP trooper said they noticed criminal activity during a traffic stop. A search of the vehicle turned up 100,000 counterfeit oxycodone pills containing fentanyl, two pounds of powdered fentanyl and six pounds of cocaine. Now, the 36-year-old driver of the vehicle was taken into custody. The U.S. Attorney's Office will also be handling the prosecution of another drug bust from a traffic stop near Salem just last Sunday. Investigators say this adds up to 51 pounds of suspected methamphetamine, 31 pounds of suspected powder fentanyl, 9 pounds of cocaine, 2 pounds of heroin. The trooper's canine Titan, Titan. German Shepherd, sniffed it out. That driver is facing federal drug charges. Titan, for his good work, got himself a new chew bone. Oh, very nice. Well, it's been a tough week at Disney-owned companies. It is laying off several thousand workers in the second and largest wave of cuts as part of the media giant's previously announced plans to slash its workforce by 7,000 employees. Latest round of job cuts will impact ESPN, Disney Entertainment Division, Disney Parks, and its Experiences and Product Division as part of a larger workforce reduction plan announced in February in an aim aim to save $5.5 billion. The cuts this week are affecting employees from coast to coast, Disney said. Now, the layoffs, however, are not expected to affect hourly frontline employees at Disney's theme parks and resorts. A third and final wave of layoffs to reach the 7,000 total is expected before the beginning of summer, according to the company. And AAA said that over the last month, gas prices in Oregon have risen by 26 cents. Now, the week of April 17th saw the average gallon of gas rise above $4 for the first time since December, reaching $4.09 a gallon. Now, Marie Dodge, AAA Director of Government and Public Affairs, said that the continual rise in gas prices should continue for a few more weeks before leveling out OPEC 
part of the increase have reduced oil production by over 1 million barrels a day for the rest of the year. May 1st is the federal deadline for states to switch over to a summer fuel blend, a costlier yet more environmentally friendly blend of fuel. California, however, has a deadline of April 1st, which likely contributed to higher gas prices on the West Coast. Now, Dodd said that the longer spring nights tend to see more people driving, thus creating more of a demand as cars and trucks use more fuel. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling uh, Saturday night, that might be a lot of driving going on, enjoying that warm day. And in sports, a rematch last night at PK Park in Eugene as the University of Oregon Gonzaga met for the second night in a row in college baseball action. And like Tuesday evening, it was the Ducks coming out on top, this time by a score of 10-5. to Oregon hosts a three-game series against Arizona State beginning tomorrow. University of Portland begins a three-game West Coast Conference baseball series with BYU this evening in Utah. Pilots are tied for second place in the conference, three games back from first place Loyola Marymount. Couple more teams advancing in the NBA playoffs. The New York Knicks and the Miami Heat moving on in the Eastern Conference. The Knicks knocked out Cleveland and the Heat eliminated top seeded Milwaukee. Oh. That was a huge upset. Wow. Miami won it like four games to one. And I mean, that that was a big upset because, like I said, the Bucks were the uh, top seed in the Eastern Conference. You know, a little sports update from my end, too, David. I told you that last weekend I went to the Mariners game. Oh, yeah. Fantastic game. They won. But we also ran into quite a few fans coming back from the Seattle Kraken game. Now, they did not win that game last weekend, but they did continue to win. You know, they lead their series three games to two Ooh, nice. in the Stanley Cup Finals. This is their first uh, appearance as a team yeah, I was in, the, uh, in the hockey. So Excellent. They got big fans up there in the area. So one of them, my son-in-law, ah. loves them. Well, a rare Irish chalice dating, dating back to the 15th century is currently on display at the Irish American Heritage Museum Albany, New York. Now, the gilt chalice was looted, taken from Ireland to England in the 16th century following the Reformation. Now, Irish entrepreneur Martin Dunphy took the chalice back to Ireland after acquiring it in auction 2021 for almost $70,000. It was discovered in a barn in Dorset, England. It's currently on a tour around the United States. Its first stop being the Irish American Heritage Museum. Now, dating back to 1480, this is one of the few surviving chalices from the area. The chalice was recently used to celebrate Mass by Bishop Michael Burnbridge of the Diocese of Arlington in Virginia. The Mass took place at the Basilica of the National Shrine, the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C., Now, the executive director of the Irish American Heritage Museum, Elizabeth Stack, told the Times Union that the chalice is important to the Irish story since a lot of these objects were lost during the Reformation. And even though this is a very simple chalice, it is a great example of the craftsmanship that existed in Ireland in that time. It shows the determination of Irish Catholicism to survive despite the brutality of the monasteries and Reformation. Hmm. So real beautiful, yeah. but it looks like it is. It's an older piece. Sure. They've got pictures of it. I'll try to find more information about the tour, but I'll add the link so that way uh, our listeners can take a look at it. 
It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. And this Sunday beginning at 5.30 is ARC Spring Book Club meeting for young adult women meeting at the Bliven Library at St. Michael's Parish. The ARC group invites all women in their 20s and 30s to its Spring Book Club on Edward Shree, Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love. This is a book club meeting that will include discussion on content, time for questions, and a chance for fellowship and connecting. Details are on their event page, and they ask you to please sign up before you attend online. You can find out more information by going to our community calendar, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary media app. So the Archbishop's Catholic Appeal is underway throughout the churches in Western Oregon. We're going to talk about that right after the forecast. Support for Matre Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbuybark.com or 503-645-6665. Join Mater Day Radio and Holy Cross Priest Father Jim Gallagher in prayer with the morning offering. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day. For all the intentions of your Sacred Heart, in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for sin, for the intentions of all my friends and associates, and in particular, for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more prayer resources, and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit materdayradio.com. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including University of Portland, dedicated to excellence and innovation in the classroom. Ranked as one of the top colleges in the West by U.S. News and World Report, the University of Portland is home to robust undergraduate and graduate programs in its colleges of arts and sciences and its schools of business, education, engineering, and nursing. Learn more at up.edu. Spring is in bloom at Mater Dei Radio, and with the warming weather comes a wide variety of exciting Catholic events. Plug into all this family fun through the Hail Mary Media app. From parish festivals to spiritual retreats, you'll find it all on a community calendar that integrates directly into your car's mapping program. Mater Dei Radio's Hail Mary Media app also brings you powerful spiritual resources, including Liturgy of the Hours with the monks at Mount Angel Abbey, a customized schedule of all your prayer reminders, a stream of Mater Dei Radio's live broadcasts, podcast of all our original programming, including shows only available on the app, videos, Catholic news, and more. Download it all today. Search Hail Mary Media in the App Store, Google Play, or go to materdayradio.com for more details. Spring into holiness and get the Hail Mary Media app now from Mater Dei Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. 
It is 8.13 here at Mater Day Radio. Well, how about we spring a few of these beautiful days together yes, today? Yes, please. We already have sunny skies this morning, and it's going to continue into the afternoon. By this afternoon, temperature is going to reach to the mid to upper 70s. I think we're probably uh, looking to the lower 80s, I think. Now, overnight, temperatures stay warm into the lower 50s. Then tomorrow, we'll break that 80-degree mark, plus a few more degrees to get us right around 84, 85 degrees. Warm days continue into Saturday, but by Sunday, it looks like we make that shift back to a little bit cooler temperatures. All right. Currently 55 degrees at St. Vincent's Church in Salem. And it is 49 degrees at St. Rose Catholic Church up north in Longview. Well, if you attended Mass at one of the churches in the Archdiocese of Portland this past Sunday, there's a pretty good chance that you may have seen a video highlighting this year's Archbishop's Catholic Appeal. Joining us in studio this morning to give us an update on the appeal is the Archdiocese's new Stewardship and Development Officer, Alex Nelson. Hey, Alex, thank you so much for coming in this morning. Good morning, friends. It's great to be here. Well, I think the last time we saw you, and this goes back, uh, I don't know, a couple years now, you actually did a football game on Modern Day Radio. It was a Jesuit game. Do you recall that? It was. Jesuit Central Catholic. I believe it was 2018. So going back a couple years. Yeah, that was fun. Well, it's great to have you here. So how long now have you been the Stewardship and Development Officer at the Archdiocese? Uh, I believe this is my fifth week. Oh, okay. So yeah. Almost a month. You are are pretty new. So uh, it's great. Great to have you. So, as I mentioned, I saw the video of the Archdiocese, the Archbishop's Catholic Appeal on Sunday. Really well done video. I loved it. It's excellent. Uh, You really get to feel the heart of the Archbishop and why he believes the Archbishop's Catholic Appeal is so important to support parish ministries, uh, clergy support, um, and our schools. Yeah, and again, it's uh, I think it's about a seven minute seven minute video, but it really covers a lot of ground, and it really gives you some in depth look at the appeal and the archbishop speaking. And like you said, you you really get a sense of where it's going. So with the archbishop's appeal, I know this has been going on for years now. This is really an important fundraising program for the Archdiocese, isn't it? It is. It's one of the most important. Uh, The entire Archdiocese participates, every single parish. Uh, It really galvanizes um, our mission for the year. Uh, Every year, the the appeal has its own theme. Uh, This year is Jesus Changes Everything. Uh, And you can, like I said, you you can really tell where the Archbishop's heart is at uh, in the appeal, uh, and as well as uh, the rest of the parishes who participate. It's it's a wonderful event every year that everybody participates in, and and we uh, it really gives us an opportunity to reflect on what parts of the archdiocese mission need our support. Right, exactly. So, what is the overall goal this year? Four point five million dollars. Okay, four point five million. And again, all of the churches are participating. So, I know as I mentioned last week, we saw the video at my parish. So. Are they doing this the next several weeks, or did it all just happen last week? What's the process there? Sure. This is past weekend was the official launch weekend. Okay. Um, next weekend, we'll do follow-up and in the following weekends, but the video is only usually shown uh, during the past uh, Sunday. Gotcha. But I know I'm, I'm on the website right yes, now, and yes. you can view it on the website. Yep, absolutely. And we send that out in emails. Uh, we refer to the video uh, quite regularly in our, our marketing. 
Excellent. We're speaking with Alex Nelson. He is the Stewardship and Development Officer for the Archdiocese of Portland, talking about this year's Archbishop's Catholic Appeal. So let's break the appeal down a little bit and talk where the funds will be used. Excellent. The uh, primary support is is for clergy, uh, priests in retirement, um, vocations, uh, ministry programs, schools, faith formation, uh, you name it, uh, 65% of this year's uh, appeal budget will go to clergy support. Yeah, you know, you think about that, and the priests who have retired, you know, what do they do? Where do they go? How are they funded? I mean, this is a big part of that, so it's really important. It's a huge part. Uh, it is very expensive uh, to care for our elderly priests, but you think about it, they uh, dedicated their life to us. They gave up their life to Christ— they gave up having children, uh, and we are all children of God, so it's our really our duty to support our priests in retirement. I, you may not have the numbers here, but do you know how many priests there are now in retirement or what the forecast is over the next decade? I don't, actually. That's a very good question. Yeah, yeah, well, I'll I'm, look into I'm, that. Yeah, I know it's considerable when it you is. think about the numbers who have retired and, again, how long they're living and those sorts of things. They need that support over the years. So you have kind of the priest, the clergy, retirement fund. What else? Parish uh, ministry and schools is a big one. That's 28% of the appeal budget this year. Uh, and, I mean, that's fairly self-explanatory, right? Parishes have programs. We have many Catholic schools in the diocese that need support, uh, and that's operation support that doesn't have anything to do with scholarships that's a, a totally separate fund right. but yeah this is general support to schools and parish ministries Alex for those who are uh, listening to the pledge and, and parishes and they have their envelopes available to fill that out is there some kind of a, a guide that kind of helps you know families figure out you know what they should be giving to their parish and then also decide you know how much more they can also add to the appeal is it a one-time gift can this happen over the whole you know over several months over the year kind of what is the uh, the ask of of parishioners sure the envelopes or information is fairly limited but if you go to the giving portion of the website uh, you have options to give monthly or one time really the guide that we always tell people is take it to prayer. We don't have a specific guide for breaking down income or disposable income or anything like that. We really want the donor to feel like it's something that they're called to do, mm -hmm. and they're called to do that in communicating per with their personal relationship with our Lord and Savior. I know, too, that each parish has a goal. They yes, try they, they, they try to meet, and I always like that because it gives an opportunity to say, okay, you know, here's here's what our parish did. And I think, I remember one of the, one of our past priests, it was, he, he was always like kind of what you said about take it to heart how much you want to give, but just give a little, whatever you can do. It's amazing. Uh, I've studied the returns this year very, very carefully, uh, and the message is really resonating with our parishes. We've gotten more 10, 20, 25, $30 donations this year than we did last year, and it's an overwhelming amount. Uh, you know, obviously, sometimes that's a function of the economy, but I really do think it's the Archbishop's um, message that is resonating with people. And obviously, we'll, we track that very carefully each week, but so far, uh, the participation is incredible compared uh, to the last two years. That's uh, great to hear. And, and I love the theme because I know the Archbishop has been using this theme in some of the videos he's posted throughout the year, and that's the Jesus Changes Everything 
theme. It's it's a beautiful theme. It is, uh, and our giving website has uh, changed to Jesus Changes Everything dot Church, so it's an easy one to remember. It's an easy one to talk about with your friends and family uh, who are prayerfully considering uh, supporting the campaign. Yeah, again, give us uh, again how folks, if they haven't seen the video, if they want to see the video, uh, if they want to make a donation. The Archbishop's or the Archdiocese website, is that where to go to start? Yes, uh, archdpdx.org, and you'll see a tile uh, on the very front page that has a picture of our Archbishop, and that tile links directly to the video. Uh, And if you choose, if you don't want to go directly to the video, you can choose uh, the Stewardship and Development um, section of the website, and that also has the video posted on it, but it also has other information about the appeal. Like I said, too, it's a great video. It's about seven minutes. It's just really a a wonderful message out there about the Archbishop. Shout out to PJ and Emily Bush, who were the... Uh, the focus of this year's video, and they absolutely have a wonderful, wonderful story to tell about their visit to the Holy Land and just how the Lord has moved in their lives uh, over the past few years. Yeah, it's beautiful. He is Alex Nelson, the Stewardship and Development Officer for the Archdiocese of Portland, talking about this year's Archbishop's Catholic Appeal. Alex, thanks so much for your time. Great to see you again. Thanks for coming into the studio. Thank you. Blessings to you all. You as well. And it is 8.23 here at Mater Day Radio. Well, that wonderful interview is going to be made into a podcast that you're going to be able to find at materdayradio.com. And in that podcast, in the description, I will add the link to where you can get right to the Archdiocese webpage, watch that video for yourself, and then see and discern what you will be able to contribute to this year's appeal. You're also going to be able to access the interview and the link through the Hail Mary media app. Support for Mater Dei Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco, Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Have you thought much about your funeral? Most people haven't. But pre-planning a funeral is not unlike planning for other life events. I'm Maria Lee, a cemetery counselor at Mount Calvary and Gethsemane Catholic Funeral Services. We are a full-service funeral home owned and operated by the Archdiocese of Portland. I'm proud to be part of a caring staff dedicated to helping people plan ahead for their funeral and burial needs. Pre-planning your funeral is a thoughtful way to ensure that your family members will not have to incur the financial burdens or risk the emotional overspending that can happen when a death occurs. You can choose from several of our convenient packages or only select the goods and services you wish. For further information, please visit our website at cc pdxor.com. That's ccpdxor.com. We are Mount Calvary and Gethsemane Catholic Funeral Services, compassionate and pastoral care. Holy Family Catholic Clinic is looking for a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner, psychologist, or licensed clinical social worker who is passionate about their mission of respecting the dignity of each person, mind, body, and spirit. 
If you or someone you know is looking to make a difference, please contact Holy Family Catholic Clinic by sending an email to info at holyfamilyclinic.com. Hello, I'm Kevin Doran. And I'm Carla Wehrman, co-host of Sunday Commentary. Join us every weekend on Monterey Radio, Saturday mornings at 7 and Sunday mornings at 8, as we break down the scripture readings so you can better prepare to enter into the beauty and mystery of the Holy Mass. It's fun, fast, and faith-filled. Let us share our love of the good news with you, Saturday mornings at 7 and Sunday mornings at 8 on Modern Day Radio. The bridge between your faith and everyday life. It's the cup that refreshes the morning blend on Mater Day Radio. It is 826 at Mater Day Radio and the Oregon Brewers Festival is back with a twist. Oh, yeah. I like that. We'll have that in the news. And what do we know about the men in the U.S. who are becoming our future priests? I'll tell you a little bit about them coming up in news. Here is a Village Lights Sweetest Sound. And we are the morning blend right here at Mater Day Radio. All my burdens, born of suffering, all I carry, longing for a home. We are homeless in our secrets, no more wandering, I'm running to be known, I'm not alone.
That is Village Lights and Sweetest Sound. It's 8.30 at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. And in your news, more than 450 men are set to be ordained priests this year. And the survey of their ordination class shows that the overwhelming majority of priests-to-be raised Catholic in intact families and individually showed habits of frequent church service and regular prayer life. Bishop Earl Boyea of Lansing, Michigan, chairs the U.S. Bishops Committee on Clergy, Consecrated Life, and Vocations. On Tuesday, the committee released the Ordination Class of 2023 study from Georgetown University-based Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate. Now, the seminarians-to-be, also known as Ordinance are overwhelmingly cradle Catholics. In fact, about 93% of ordinance were baptized Catholics as infants. Another 96 were raised by their biological parents. 92 were raised by a married couple living together. For 84%, well, both parents were Catholic. Now, one in three respondents had a relative who was a priest or a religious. Boyea especially noted the importance of the family life of the prospective priest. More than 63% of survey respondents said their parish priest had been an encouraging influence on their vocation, followed by a fellow parishioner, a friend, their mother, father or teacher or catechist. Now, church ministry is another common habit for the prospective priest. About 72% of them had been altar service. How about that? So that is a good place to start. Yeah. Well, there's always a lot of excitement on the bluff with the University of Portland Athletics, but now there is going to be another reason to cheer. The Portland Trailblazers announced yesterday that they will be launching a G League team next season that will play at the Child Center on the UAP campus. Now, with the news, the Pilots' Vice President for Athletics, Scott Lakeham, says, we are excited to continue to grow our partnership with the Portland Trailblazers and welcome the NBA G League to campus. With the excitement around UP men's and women's basketball hosting the high school state championships and now the addition of the G League team, Child Center and UP Athletics will host over 200 events wow. annually. That's man, that's like the whole year. You're just you got you're full of activities. Yeah, what a great partnership too for the university. Yeah, so you've got so now you're going to have the G League going on. You've got men's and women's basketball at the UP. You've got uh, volleyball matches going on there, UP volleyball matches. So it's going to be a busy spot. Exercise and scheduling, I yeah, think. That's right. And the Child Center, awesome place to, mm-hmm. to view sports. It's intimate, yet it's good size and plenty of parking. So, yeah, it's be fun. Oregon State Police made two big drug busts in Oregon in the past week. They came after routine traffic stops by state troopers, put a dent in the fentanyl that otherwise would have been heading to the streets of the Pacific Northwest. Now, the traffic stops near LeGrand in eastern Oregon and near Salem both involved the discovery of fentanyl and other hard drugs that could have done an enormous amount of human damage. Now, starting in LeGrand last Friday morning, an OSP trooper said they noticed criminal activity during a traffic stop. A search of the vehicle turned up 100,000 counterfeit 
oxycodone pills containing fentanyl, two pounds of powdered fentanyl, six pounds of cocaine. The 36-year-old driver of the vehicle was taken into custody. The U.S. Attorney's Office will also be handling the prosecution of another drug bust from a traffic stop near Salem just last Sunday. Investigators say this adds up to 51 pounds of suspected methamphetamine, 31 pounds of suspected powdered fentanyl, 9 pounds of cocaine, and 2 pounds of heroin. Now, the trooper's canine, Titan, the German shepherd, well, he sniffed it out, and well, now that driver is facing federal drug charges. Don't mess with Titan. Titan will find uh, it wherever it happens to be. That good boy got himself a new mm-hmm. bone. Mm-hmm. Well, there is new life for the iconic Oregon's Brewers Festival that had run out of steam really after 34 years of holding the popular late summer event at Waterfront Park, downtown Portland. So with no plans for this summer, the event announced yesterday that it is partnering with an even more iconic event, the Portland Rose Festival. The Brewers will be located at the Rose Festival's City Fair beginning Friday, June 2nd and running through Sunday, June 4th on the waterfront. Oregon Brew Festival founder Art Lawrence said he is already working on selecting the beers that will be featured and that he can't wait for this June. It's going to be a great event, he says. I hope that all of our OBF friends will stop by and have a beer with me. That's awesome. That's great. So City Fair admission will allow visitors to access the Oregon Brewers Festival activities. The theme for the 2023 festival is Focus on Fun, and the Rose Festival gets started May 26th. So, I mean, we're just like right around the corner. Four weeks away. Well, the city of Vancouver is preparing for an exciting summer season with repairs to the pavilion stage and installation of a new gazebo at Esther Short Park. Along with those upgrades, Vancouver Mayor Anna McElerney Ogle will cut the ribbon on the new Esther Short Park playground at its grand opening, 11 a.m. Saturday in downtown Vancouver. Now, the playground has all new equipment and play areas to replace the previous playground, which was destroyed by a fire in 2022. Now, Esther Short Park hosts thousands of visitors each year for the Vancouver Farmers Market, Arts and Cultural festivals, charity fundraising events, and gathering of family and friends. Now, work on the pavilion and gazebo expected to be completed in May. Nice. I was sad to see that playground had, you know, yeah. fallen on harder times, we'll say. Pushed my kids many a time on the swings there, but, well, it just looked like it was an opportunity to bring it back. So You know, that's such a great area now because you have the park right there. Oh. Then there's the wat- the new kind of the new waterfront, and that's where they hold the farmer's market. It's You go there on a Saturday, and it's, 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 great. it's hopping. And just like you had said about uh, the Brewers Fest, too, you know, there's plenty of parking yeah. around the area. The farmer's market is booked solid. Mm-hmm. You can find all kinds of great things. You got the park there, the playground, and then just, well, a little quick down the road, and you're down there at that beautiful waterfront. Boy, it's really taking shape now. It's a, it's all the way to the bridge now. Yeah. They are constructing all the way to the bridge and under the bridge and on the other side, too. So looks to be like it's just a really great area to come and visit. It's just a great time of year because we're getting oh. the outdoor events and activities. I think and it's just because that's oh. it. The sun came out. I'm ready for it. Beautiful. 
Sports, the Portland Timbers picked up a win last night in the U.S. Open Cup. The Timbers downed Orange County SC 3-1 at Providence Park. Timbers returned to regular season play with a road contest at St. Louis City SC on Saturday. Well, it's become quite a spectacle over the years, and this evening the National Football League draft begins its three-day run, being held in Kansas City. Draft gets started at 5 tonight with the first pick going to the Carolina Panthers. That's followed by the Houston Texans, Arizona Cardinals, and the Indianapolis Colts. Now, the Seattle Seahawks have the fifth pick in the draft. That's the highest pick the Seahawks have had since 2010. Seahawks have the fifth pick as part of a trade. You'll remember this. It sent Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos last year. So many are wondering if Seattle will draft a quarterback or be content to stick with Geno Smith, who replaced Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Smith had a good season last sure. year, did a, did a fine job. But we'll see if uh, Seahawks looking to build on the quarterback position. They may go with the defensive player as well. So, yeah, just have to see. Oh, the anticipation is yeah. there. You see all of these young college players. Can you imagine what they are feeling right now? Just the excitement of, of what's going to happen this evening. Mm-hmm. Could their lives be changed forever? And, you know, families sitting around them, supporting yeah. them. Oh, I always love watching that. With the fifth pick, the Seattle Seahawks select... Oh, I don't know. I know. You're on the clock. You're on the clock, Seahawks. Well, a rare Irish chalice dating back to the 15th century is currently on display at the Irish American Heritage Museum, Albany, New York. Now, the gilt chalice was looted and taken from Ireland to England in the 16th century following the Reformation. Now, Irish entrepreneur Martin Dunphy took the chalice back to Ireland after acquiring it in an auction in 2021. For almost $70,000. It was discovered in a barn in Dorset, England. It's currently on a tour around the United States. Its first stop being the Irish American Heritage Museum. Now, dating back to 1480, this is one of the few surviving chalices from the era. The chalice was recently used to celebrate Mass by Bishop Michael Burbridge of the Diocese of Arlington, Virginia. The Mass took place at the Basilica National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. Now, the executive director of the Irish American Heritage Museum, Elizabeth Stack, told the Times Union that the chalice is an important piece to the Irish story since a lot of these objects were lost during the Reformation. Even though it is a very simple chalice, it is a great example of the craftsmanship that existed in Ireland at the time and the determination of Irish Catholicism of the era. Does it look like the chalice in Indiana Jones and the uh, Last Crusades? It does look a little bit like it had lived a life, yeah. I think. And, you know, you think about the history of items like that and, you know, if it had eyes to, you know, the ability sure. to tell its story, what it must have seen for all of those years. That's yeah, awesome. It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. Oh, David, here is an event right up my alley. All right. On May 6th, it is dessert for dinner pickup (laughs) in Eugene Springfield. It's part of Catholic Community Services Springfield Service Center. They invite those in the Eugene and Springfield communities to have dessert to dinner for dinner while supporting the organization to meet the needs of Lane County residents. Uh, make a donation to receive a box of eight full-size servings of desserts from bakeries in Eugene and Springfield. Here's the important part, yes. David. The last day to get your order in, 
tomorrow. Okay. All right. So you want to be able to do that. And again, the pickup date is May 6th. That's next Saturday. Remember, you can find details on these and other events by going to the community calendar, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary media app. And Solidarity Health Share. They join us right after the forecast. Support for Matre Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbuybark.com or 503-645-6665. Are you a young adult in your 20s or 30s? Are you looking to bring Christ into your everyday work? Hi, I'm Jesse Jose, the president of the Portland chapter of Young Catholic Professionals. Our mission is to challenge, train, and inspire young adults to work in witness for Christ. No matter your career field or level of experience, we invite you to join us at an upcoming event to build community, learn from seasoned professionals, and grow in your Catholic faith. For more information, visit ycpportland.org. Would you like to make your spring cleaning plans a little easier this year? Let Mater Day Radio give you a hand. If you have a car, truck, van, RV, or boat that you would like to clear out, our vehicle donation program is just the answer. You can donate your vehicle to Mater Day Radio and get a likely tax deduction in return. It's quick and easy, giving you a real jump start to your spring cleaning. Learn more about our vehicle donation program at materdayradio.com. And it is 8.43 at Mater Day Radio. Looking at a bright, sunny day today. High of 80 degrees. Clear overnight tonight. Low of 54. Sunny, maybe a little breezy tomorrow, but warm. A high of 86 for Friday. Saturday, sunny and 81. Ah, I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Well, currently it is already a beautiful morning. 55 degrees at St. John the Evangelist Catholic Church in Vancouver. And 55 degrees at St. Cyril Church in Wilsonville. Well, can I say prayerfully, finally, after three years, the U.S. national emergency to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic officially ended. President Joe Biden signed a bipartisan congressional resolution ending the pandemic weeks before it was set to expire on May 11th. Well, joining me today to discuss what the end of the national COVID emergency means to your health care. It is Chris Fattis, co-founder and president of Solidarity HealthShare. They are a nonprofit health care sharing ministry, of course, faithful to the moral teachings of the Catholic Church. The end is here, Chris. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's great great to talk to you, Brenda. I mean, it wasn't long ago, I guess, you know, three or three years ago that we were talking about whether or not COVID was the end, right? I think a lot of us, a lot of folks were afraid well, sure. um, that this, the end was near, in a sense. I think it's a good thing to get rid of the emergency. Um, we've certainly been able to manage COVID for some time now. Um, and there's a couple things, Brenda, that this, this means. You know, I mean, there, certainly there's going to be some folks who lose Medicaid coverage for expansions there. Um, but a big thing is that it, it brings this, you know, a lot of the responsibility for COVID response back to the states, which is ultimately where it should be. Um, we as Catholics believe in subsidiarity, right, and solving problems with the lowest common denominator. And so, you know, I think this is, this is good for the country to start moving on and living life and recognizing that now we have this virus and, and we, can, we can manage it well. 
Oh, managing is the important part because, well, we know that, well, COVID did change so many lives, even within my own family, knowing, you know, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law lost, you know, the their patriarch of their family due to COVID. And while we give it its importance in our lives, it can't be kind of the control that it once had over us. God intends us to live our lives. I think many of us try to think about that idea that, well, you know, our time on earth is only known by God and we've got to live it to the fullest while we are here. But this does mean some changes now, changes to our health care and to policy. So what is important for us to know then about the changes? You said some things about Medicare for all of us trying to live our daily lives. Are we going to notice changes? Yeah, you know, I don't know that we'll notice many changes, you know, unless, of course, you're one of those folks who had, you know, Medicare eligibility expended to you. And I, I don't know a lot about that piece, but, you know, that, that's certainly a change that will affect folks. I think we'll start to see um, changes in how the, you know, the COVID vaccines, you know, right now the, the government's essentially putting in very large orders for the vaccines and the boosters, um, which many commentators have noted, including Dr. Marty McCary from Johns Hopkins, that most of those vaccines are, are going unused. And so they're, they're putting in, you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of, I think billions of dollars in orders for the vaccines. Um, and they're still not being used. They're expiring. And so, you know, the government will no longer, under the emergency order, they will no longer be purchasing the vaccines. Um, and so the vaccines will be handled by commercial markets, you know, insurance or private pay starting in the fall. So that, you know, lawmakers did, you know, the telehealth uh, piece, one of the expansions of telehealth laws, uh, you know, allowed telehealth to really expand around the country. And so that goes away under the emergency orders, but lawmakers actually extended out telehealth kind of expansion for two years last year. So we still have some time with that, which I believe is a good thing for the Mm -hmm. market. It's it's been a really good thing to have more access to care for folks. and, you know, they'll, they'll be tightening down some prescriptions on telehealth, some things that you normally would be able to, you know, wouldn't be able to get uh, prescriptions for over a telehealth consult that you were able to under the emergency order. That will go away. Um, you know, so there's, there's a few of those, those items. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, it, private insurances will no longer be required to, to uh, pay for COVID tests. Um, and so, you know, that's going to change. Now, COVID testing has gotten down price-wise to a reasonable amount, I think. But that's that's going to change quite a bit. You know, there, there's definitely some uh, some things that you know we'll, you'll have to consider if you want the vaccine. It's going to cost you if you know if your insurance won't cover it, you're going to have to pay for it out of pocket. Um, but you know, those things I think are again it, it affects a, a percentage of the population. I think I read that only about 12% of Americans across the board are are up to date with boosters, right? So I don't think a lot of us are partaking. Uh, in the vaccines currently, so I think that maybe maybe have a, a little effect. Now, there was a lot of things, I guess, but, you know, most of them minor. I think for most of us, Brenda, as you and I have discussed mm-hmm. before, I think most of us have kind of figured out, okay, well, I'm going to work with my doctor. If I'm sick, I call my doctor. If I'm sick with COVID, I'm going to call my doctor, and we're going to figure out what I need to do. You know, That's right. You know, as, as we always try to say, you know, if you are sick, well, stay home and uh, right. get uh, taken care of through your doctor. And it's amazing the the number of things that we were able to take advantage of and learn 
during the COVID lockdowns, especially with regards to technology. Telehealth was one of those. Learning how to use, you know, online services to be able to connect with people and even being able to uh, participate in mass virtually if you were unable to go. I mean, those are some of the things that we have been able to pick up on during this COVID shutdown. And hopefully, well, the best parts of those things, we're going to be able to continue on. Chris Faddis is joining me today from Solidarity HealthShare. You're talking about hopefully what is the end of our our response to COVID. You know, part of Solidarity HealthShare, you are there to support people when they are going through difficult medical situations. And also you're there to support them in doing this in a moral way. Remind our listeners how Solidarity is there through whatever, well, health care or crisis you might be going through. Yeah, you know, we're, we're there to help you with not only sharing your medical bills, but handling these kind of situations. What do I do when I, you know, something's going on and I need to go to the hospital or, or whatever it might be? Uh, you know, I just experienced this myself, Brenda, where my daughter, uh, two weekends ago now, um, you know, had gotten ill Friday night. She was fine Saturday morning. She was nauseous and, you know, spent the day, you know, doing the kind of the stomach bug stuff, throwing up and not feeling good. And, uh, you know, wasn't getting better, but it didn't seem like too big of a deal. By the end of the night, she was actually in some pain, and mm. uh, we went to bed. But no, no real signs of like an appendicitis or anything. And you know, she thought it was just gas, you know, kind of pain from like needing to go to the bathroom kind of thing. And so, uh, long story short, middle of the night, she got up with a lot of pain. We we kind of her and I did a few things to see what was going on. And then I finally called our telehealth option, which is who, you know, we just talked about, you know, and, and we have a great telehealth program for our members. And the doctor asked me about five questions and then just said, okay, based on what you've told me, I think it could be one of these two things, but, but there's no way to know without imaging. So please go to the hospital, you know. And so I had the confidence to know this is worth going to the hospital for. We went straight to the hospital and sure enough, she had a, an appendicitis. Wow. Um, and, and ultimately ended up, it ended up being an, a ruptured appendicitis. And my daughter apparently is very stoic or has a very high pain tolerance because the doctor said it probably had ruptured prior to her even getting nauseous based on the spread and all of that. So, you know, but that that was that service was there. Solidarity was there when we were in the hospital. I was able to call and get that support. Um, and those are the things we do, you know, for our members to help them get the care they need. And then those medical bills will be shared among the members. Uh, and it's just really a great uh, just a great program. And I got to say. Of course, I work here, but it was certainly a, a blessing for me to experience firsthand, um, you know, what we were able to do. And, you know, because the infection was spread, we were asked to, to go to the children's hospital locally. And, and all of that was, was, you know, quickly handled. Solidarity got involved right away to help make sure that, that we had access to that care. Oh, and praise God that your daughter has returned to her health. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate that and for all that you do there at Solidarity. Thank you, Brenda. God bless. God bless you, too. And again, that is Chris Faddis. If you want to find out more information about Solidarity HealthShare, I will be sure to add the links to this podcast where you can get right to their member services. That podcast can be found at materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary media app. It is 8.52 at Mater Day Radio. Hey, one of the great ways you can support Mater Day Radio is through our vehicle donation program. If you have an old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, RV, you can donate that vehicle to Mater Day Radio's vehicle donation program. Quick and easy, just go to our website, click on the Get Involved menu, Vehicle Donation. It'll take you to the main page there. 
Fill out a couple of forms, you're good to go, and it's a likely tax deduction for you as well. It is Mater Day Radio's vehicle donation program on our website at materdayradio.com or through the Hail Mary media app. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, family dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Greetings and blessings to all of you listening to Mater Day Radio. Join me, Father Gabriel Mosier, and other listeners of Mater Day Radio in this prayer to St. Jude. Let us pray. Glorious St. Jude, with faith in your goodness, we ask your help today. As one of Christ's chosen apostles, you remain a pillar and foundation of his church on earth. You are counted, we know, among the elders who always stand before God's throne. From your place of glory, we know you do not forget the needs and difficulties of Christ's little ones here, still struggling, like me, on the way home to God. Please intercede for us all, gracious St. Jude, and be with us in our daily toil and in all our necessities. In Christ's name, we appeal to you again today. Amen. For more prayer resources and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit materdayradio.com. Mater Day Radio is supported by our Leadership Circle members, including Mount Calvary and Gethsemane Catholic Funeral Services. Operated by the Archdiocese of Portland, services include the recently completed Gethsemane Funeral Home located on the grounds of Gethsemane Cemetery in Happy Valley. The new funeral home provides burial services to the Catholic community regardless of cemetery choice. For more information, visit ccpdxor.com. What's your next mission from God? You do have one. We all do. God has something in mind for us right where we are. This is Julie Anderko. Please join me on Your Next Mission from God, where the saints show us just how it's done. They've been through it, and sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Listen to Your Next Mission from God, Saturday mornings at 7.15 and Sunday mornings at 8.15, right here on the bridge between your faith and everyday life, Matraday Radio. The Morning Blend, two hours a day for two times the fun on Mater Day Radio, the station dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. 8.56 at Mater Day Radio, sunny skies today, high of 80 degrees, clear overnight tonight, low of 54, sunny, a little breezy again tomorrow, but very warm, high of 86, 82 was the record, so wow. we could break a record tomorrow. Saturday, sunny, 81, currently 54 degrees in the Rose City. And closing out our show today, here is Matt Marr, and what a friend. You are listening to The Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. Everybody has trials and temptation. Everybody knows heartbreak, isolation. Lay our burdens down. Our burdens lay 
It's 8.59 at Mater Day Radio. Hey, thank you for joining the Morning Blend today. David and Brenda with you. I know many people are wondering what happened to that giant yellow jacket that was harassing oh. you in the studio. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It is now uh, flying around on the inside of a vacuum canister. You <laughs> took care of it. He's in uh, yellow jacket heaven, <laughs> I guess. I, I think. guess. Yes. Well, Okay. It's okay if he stays outside. Just don't come into my house. That's right. That is going to wrap it up for us on The Morning Blend. Please have a very blessed day.